Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's up, everybody? Tyler Armstrong here with the Thomas Winborn. What's up, man? How you doing today? Doing great, Tyler. Good to be with you again this uh, afternoon. Yeah, man. How was your fourth? It was really good. You know, I had some friends in town uh, before and after the 4th, or actually right before the 4th and on the 4th. Uh, we had a good time uh, visiting with them, friends of mine from Texas. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we um, went on a boat on Saturday, hung out in Lake Gunnersville all day. It was really cool, you know, getting to see all the fireworks from all different parts of the lake. Yeah. And so um, it was just a really good day. So um, let, me will, ask you wait, wait, let me ask you this. Let me this. I did, did have a good time on the 5th. We went to watch the infamous Parade of Boats, the, the parade of boats. from Ohatchee uh, all the way up to Southside. And we were in a boat with some friends, the Nelsons. And uh, we were uh, going down and we stopped to swim, waiting on the boats. And it started raining. So we hauled it as fast as we could to get out of the rain passed by all these boats they couldn't see it coming uh we started passing by them we started hitting their waves coming out of the water it was pretty crazy my kids will never forget it uh and then it was really funny to watch that parade dissipate quickly as they ran into a huge storm on the water so like it was a great fourth man i had fun yeah that's awesome yeah see on on the fifth (laughs) i was just chilling and so while you're out there you know battling storms on the water yeah i was just chilling so, who's got your ear right now? Oh, man. So, um, John Piper, uh, through the book. Favorite of ours. We yeah, like him. yeah, he's a really good guy. I named my he, dog after him. But yeah, I mean, uh, I would have named a daughter after him if I could have probably. Yeah. Piper is a good name for it a girl. Name. So, um, uh, through the book is his walking through texts of Scripture. Uh, my favorite is when he does it through giant sections of scripture and he basically takes it with an, like an iPad and he breaks it down on the screen exegetically mm-hmm. uh, it, and it just ties all these things together. It basically does good Bible study, good Bible exegesis yep. and shows you how to do it. It's uh, really, really good. Yeah, it's on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. You can also find it on desiringgod.org, yep. um, but it's on YouTube. You it's can just type in through, through the, the book. book. Yeah, yeah, just through the book. Really great study. Um, I, I've actually resurfaced this old podcast that I subscribed to and I completely forgot about. Um, it's called Word Matters from Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Um, what they do is they take really obscure Bible passages. Now, they've, they've actually quit this podcast. They did it like for like a set period of time. And so like one thing was like 1 Corinthians 15, did Christians baptize, did early Christians baptize for the dead? Like a really obscure Bible passage. And then they exegete that passage and you get to hear them have a conversation about it. And so it's really good. They walk all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. They end with Revelation and like how to properly interpret Revelation if there is a way to properly, you know, know, walking through all those things. And so I would encourage y'all, like if you just have just, they're like 15, 20 minutes long, really short. Um, really easy to listen to. Great guys to listen to as well. It's just a really good podcast. Yeah, and so. Trevin Wax, if you're wondering, he's, he was one of the top guys in Lifeway. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he's really high up there but editing theological content. So a yes. really good guy to do that. Yeah, really solid. Who you been worshiping with? Uh, man, this new song, new to me, by Sovereign Grace Music called Turn Your Eyes. So it's not a new song. It's an old song redone a little bit. It's Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Um, but they've changed a little bit in the verses after the first verse and added a chorus. And it has just been so good for my heart during this weird time uh, that we're living in right now. Yeah. Uh, really good stuff. 
I've actually never heard the song, so I, Sovereign Grace music. You should listen to I'm it. Man. To listen. I love Sovereign Grace. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, turn we, your eyes. We sing a lot of their stuff here, even on Sunday mornings. So you may yeah. not be familiar with it. Um, Behold Our God. That's one that we sing. Yeah, every now yeah. And then. It's good. Um, trying to think some other stuff. But anyway, look them up. Great band. Um, it's, a, it's actually from a church, right? Sovereign Grace. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have a they have a network of churches. Yeah. So it's kind of from their network of churches that they have put together these things. Uh, and a lot of times, their music will come out of uh, a a conference they do yes. on worship once every other year. But I'm not sure where this one came out of. Probably that same conference. Gotcha. But yeah, what about you, Tyler? What are you listening to? Um, who are you worshiping with? Uh, man, I, I just for some reason I've just been on a big need to breathe kick, man. Like going back to need to breathe. I've always loved need to breathe. They're one of my favorite bands. Uh, they actually recently dropped a like four song EP um, called Who Am I? Hmm. Um, the song Survival is really good. Um, it says, you know, I'm a man in need of revival. Jesus, come quickly. I'm in need yeah. for, for my survival. That's like I'm in need of you. And so yeah. just really good. Um, obviously, you know, Need to Breathe is not like a typical worship band that sure. you would be tip, like, you know, typically aligned into. What actually got me into it was I rediscovered Wilder Woods. Did you yeah. did you know about Wilder Woods? I've heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bear Reinhardt releases on solo project from Need to Breathe. And so I was listening to them this weekend. Ryan was like, oh, I really like this. And so um, <laughs> then just kind of took us into their new EP. And yeah, I love it. So anyway, what are you reading right now? Well, uh, let me say this to you. Point of clarification, right? Like that... Need to breathe, not being necessarily a worship album. I, like we get back to these ideas that we have to bifurcate secular and and spiritual. Exactly. Okay. So yes. if if it is you don't listen to Christian music, you listen to music produced by Christians. Mm-hmm. Christian music can't be Christian. Only people can be Christian. Yes. Right. So it's either worshipful because it leads your heart to praise the Lord, 100%. either through a song that's spoken to Him or just from a Christian worldview, mm-hmm. um, or it's not. And so yeah. I think that's good. That's, that's yeah. fine to have need to breathe something yeah. that leads oh, you to worship. Oh, yeah, hundred percent, right? man. It's yeah. just you know they're not your typical what you would classify as a worship band. Yeah, we wouldn't sing it on Sunday morning. No, probably. no, no, no. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're more radio, more like you know you're gonna go you're gonna go hear them play at like a Dex and Docks, like right. like that. You know, yeah, like that's yeah, gonna yeah. be that kind of atmosphere that yep. they play in. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have some you know great worshipful music. But like that song is not necessarily a worship song, but man, it's just a great song that just stirred my heart. Like I was like, man, this stirred my affections for Jesus because I am a man in need of a revival. That is me. Like, you know, I need Jesus for my survival. And so go listen to it. um, And then just go listen. And while you're at it, listen to good music. Go look up Wilder Woods. Great solo project from that guy. So let's start with you on this next one, uh, since you're going to be the more spiritual one than me. Uh, (laughs) What are are you reading this week? Man, I am reading a fictional book that I've picked up, put down, picked up, put down, picked up, put down. And I'm finally picking it up to finish it called Still Away Home. Um, it's a fictional, uh, historical fiction about Charles Spurgeon and a runaway slave that they actually started correspondence. Um, and then he, the slave actually comes to Britain to meet Charles Spurgeon, is actually trained oh, yeah. underneath uh, Spurgeon's preaching school. Um, yeah. It's from Matt Carter and Aaron Ivey, two guys we like, from um, Austin Stone um, Community Church. Matt Carter actually recently left Austin Stone, so he's not there anymore. I don't remember where he is. But anyway... Really great just book. I love his I love history. I love historical fiction. And then just right now in this this season, I wanted to read something that was tied to, you know, that like that time period of slavery and runaway slaves and and, and listening to Spurgeon speak on these things. It's like tied to primary documents. Yeah. Really great book. What about you, man? <laughs> so uh, I'm spending lately in my spare time an inordinate amount of time in addition to reading scripture and contemplative it, prayer, of course. And reading anything else that yes. pertains to his, no, to this. To but, work and job, yeah. right, 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 and then preaching. But, but this, is spending, a, this is an endeavor that you must read about. Yeah, I'm spending an inordinate yes. amount of time in my personal time reading about beard care. Beard care. Uh, that's what I'm reading about. <laughs> Listen, man. 
when Thomas came, Thomas had this like like I was like I saw him on Facebook. I was like, man, that guy can grow a mean beard. And he's like, oh, I don't grow my beard in the summer. I shave it. You know, in the winter I keep my beard. Yeah. When the coronavirus hit, dude, Thomas immediately Thomas was, let the beard go, man. Yeah, dude. And 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 this man has a great beard. Like I gotta speak to that. <laughs> he has a great beard. I'm 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 envious. You're always complimentary my beard. I really <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah. You know? my, my 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 this guy at the pharmacy I used to work with they called it testosterone. You know, yeah. testosterone. Testosterone. My testosterone levels haven't reached that level yet to get my beard there yet. But anyway, so well, I used to I used to start it off in the wintertime because it was freezing cold in Maryland where I lived, and so I would I would always grow it out, but I would just let it get like nasty big and like burly, right? Yeah. And so this year I decided I was just gonna like change it up man and COVID hit and I'm like you know what I'm done no shaving mm-hmm. and so I let it go and I'm like almost it'd be four months on March on uh, July 18th That's awesome. and so it's been three and a half months and I really like it man <laughs> it's getting longer I, I, I'm thinking about doing the yeard which yeah. is the one year yeah, beard one year growth beard. Like, yeah, don't, don't shave don't trim for a year yeah we should try, trim the loose ends yeah. a little bit like yeah. that but yeah, like no real it. no real no real do any but what I've been looking at is about all the chemicals that's in like beard oils and beard uh, bombs and butter and what's what's good and what's not for you, which lines right up with what my wife's been on this like journey for the last like ten years yeah. about how to get our family healthier and away from harsh chemicals. And so um, it's been really good. So I've been studying about that and reading and watching videos about how to care for your beard and what to do with it and how you. I didn't know that you're not supposed to use shampoo on your beard. Mm. Not I, not not head shampoo. Yeah, yeah. Or, or head conditioner. It's not mm-hmm. geared the right way for it's your face. It's completely different kind of hair. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't yeah. know those things. So doing that kind of stuff, learning how to. I'm not. So I'm, I'm the guy that gets out of the shower and like brushes my hair and goes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having to slow down a little bit if I want to have a good beard. So yeah. that, that's kind of different for me. I'm a. I've I've had my beard. Me and Thomas were just talking about before this. I, I grew it out when he started growing his out like that first year that you came. I was like, I'm just gonna yeah. grow my beard out, see what happens. It came in thick, and I was like, man, it, it, it can grow had a shaving incident in January 2019 <laughs> a shaving incident shaving incident <laughs> where I accidentally shaved it off and ever since then I've had a beard like I mean yeah. I've kind of, but I keep mine a little bit shorter so you um, didn't you didn't actually accidentally shave it off you nicked it right no you yeah dude well, uh, out of it I will just say that there's a particular teenage boy that was at my house his name starts with Z he goes to this church and he borrowed my trimmer to trim some hairs on it, but he took off the guard, and I thought the guard was still on it. And so when I went to shave, it was like way short. Oh, dude, no, it was it was down to the skin, man. And I was like, like I was like, <laughs> like you know, like, like what is all this hair? And I looked at my neck, and it was like right there on my neckline. There was no way of fixing it, so I just had to shave it off. But anyway, I've had this, I've had the beard for a while now. I was going for the year, and then my mom got married, and then oh, she was yeah. she asked me to like shave it off. And ever since then, I've kind of kept it a little bit shorter than Thomas's. Um, who knows? I'm making convince my wife to let it get long. She doesn't like it long though, man. Well, so. I didn't think I would either, really. But I'm I'm really enjoying it, man. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to at least go a couple more months before I do anything too. I may have to do a little trimming up underneath or something a little more. I but. thought it was so funny. A church member came in. One of our senior adults came in the other day, and he he was like, "Hey, what do you guys do with your mustaches?" Yeah, he was <laughs> asking us how to take care of it. Yeah, <laughs> asking, and and, and yeah. I was like, "Why is this guy? He's he's usually clean shaven." And he took his mask off for just a second to show us. Dude had a great goatee. Like yeah, it was, it was like awesome. phenomenal goatee. Yeah, I was, was like, good. "Man, that's awesome." Yeah. His mustache looked better than mine. So. Anyway, uh, what's a book everyone needs to read that's not about beard care? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be the super pastoral guy here and say the Bible, but specifically— Yes, we should read the Bible. Specifically, the ESV Study Bible. That is the Bible. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) I will say that of all the study Bibles I've ever been around, used, looked at, perused, it is the best study Bible I've ever seen. Now, here's Mm -hmm. the reason. Many, many Bibles that call themselves a study Bible are actually a life application 
Christian Bible. Yes. They tell you how to apply this very specifically, which doesn't really help you to understand the Bible. It, you think it does. What it does is tell you what you should do in relation to what the Bible says. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. But it's not a study Bible. It's not a study Bible. The study Bible, the ESV study Bible, not the ESV MacArthur study Bible, not the ESV Reformation study Bible, the ESV study Bible, just yes. those words. The, the basically what it does is it basically just tells you how to understand what you're reading. So if there's a word in there that you wouldn't normally understand, it helps explain it or a phrasing or it puts it in context of the theme of that passage. So it doesn't give you all the application. It just helps you to understand the passage you're reading. That's what we call exegesis, which has to be done properly before you can do application. Yes. So the problem is, is that so many times, and we, this is a whole podcast in and of itself, we approach the Bible and say, how does this apply to me? Yeah. And we do not walk through what this passage means to the people who actually received it personally. Yeah. In fact, we're going to spend at least four weeks mm-hmm. uh, unpacking how to study the Bible Spoiler coming up in the yeah coming yeah. ahead coming up in the fall. Yeah, just literally how to study your Bible on a Sunday morning. And so, so. the ESV Study Bible, just to just to reflect on it just a little bit longer. Um, this is the Seminary Study Bible, yeah. and the reason why I say that is because in every seminary course. The ESV Study Bible is a recommended, not required, but a recommended textbook for every course. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, it ESV is a just, in my opinion, a superior translation. I mean, I love like it's it's word for word, and I don't mean it's better than any other translation, but I will say it's a word for word translation that is readable. Yeah, um, yes. it is so readable. It's on like a ninth grade reading level. It's actually, a, a tenth grade. Yeah, reading tenth, level. yeah, yeah yep, ninth grade, yep, tenth grade yep, reading yep, level. Yep. Um, and so it is just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And then the study notes, the introductions to the books. Yeah, that's one oh of the best. Oh, my gosh. Laying out the themes, laying the, out the structure, the, the timeline, charts in the back. who wrote it, what was going on, like it's, all that stuff. It's incredible. Like, yeah. I, and, and you can actually get it on your phone. That's the best. In fact, I would say if you're yes. not going to sit and read, because I don't, I don't even crack open my actual study Bible. Yeah. I, I simply, on well, my phone. It hurts my heart, man. I know, dude. I open up my other Bibles, <laughs> but I open this big, giant study I Bible. Know, man, I just open so, a huge Bible. <laughs> like, that's, all, that's what hurts yeah. my heart, man. Like, I, my study Bible is on my desk constantly. And so you, I open oh. it up, though, and here's what I do. is I look at my regular Bible reading and studying with no notes to bother me. Yes. And then I want to go and understand a little better, so I will then crack open my phone, my $15 app, and it's half the price of the yeah. actual book. Yeah, well, they actually swapped to a subscription way. service now. It's yeah. not $15 anymore. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, you, you, still yeah. Got the, you still got the $15 app, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. an incredible deal at the time. Yeah. yeah, now it's like a subscription service, but like you can, it's it's only like a year for this. I don't even remember how much well, it is. Well, even the best way is to go online. Once you do this, you can do subscription service. I see you can do it online, esvbible.org. It's just get that. ESV.org. ESV.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beautiful part of it is when you see a footnote, or a little letter that says, oh, like, this yes. is a reference. You click it, and it takes you there. Mm-hmm. And you can go all over it. What would take you 30 minutes to study the Bible can take you 10 minutes. Yes. So it's just like a huge, huge benefit. Wonderful resource. We recommend it to everyone. Um, I was in Hobby Lobby the other day. I had to go by there and buy some paint for one of my wife's projects. They had all their books on sale. Okay. ESV Study Bible, 60% off. Oh, my goodness. 60%. You know, 60% off. Twenty nine ninety nine mark price, and so sixty percent off of twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was like, man, I'm about to buy me one, but I didn't need one because because that's three. what you're gonna pay online for the hardback is like thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a, that was a personal size leather bound. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, go go by Hobby Lobby, peeps. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna do mine really short. Um, the Gospel by Ray Ortland. Um, now he didn't write the Gospel; that was Jesus. <laughs> but Ray Ortland wrote this book, exegeting the Gospel, and essentially the thesis of the book is gospel doctrine creates gospel culture. Yeah. And so whenever you talk about sanctification, 
you know, you, you talk about sanctification that actually leads your people to be more like Jesus, yeah. you know? And so each of these gospel doctrines that we teach on Sunday mornings help the entire church to create a gospel culture that reflects Jesus. And one of my favorite so, parts about the book is that it's a very easily accessible oh, book and very small. Yes. So you can read it in a, in one sitting. I read it. Want. I read it in a day. I mean, yeah. it was just a day. Cause I mean, just, just going through it, but I mean, Absolutely beautiful book. Ray Orland's one of my favorites. Y'all heard me quote a million times. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that I absolutely adore. Now, all right, now let's get to the topic of the podcast today. Um, we've ate into a lot of our time right now. Yeah. The impact of the American experiment on the church. Now, they, when we say the American experiment, July 4th, 1776, there was a document signed called the Declaration of Independence. We the people. Yeah. Well, you, you know the thing. Like, yeah. like <laughs> the thing. Um, anyway, that was a little bit of a <laughs> so political dig. But anyway, that was signed on that day. Now, a lot of people know the preamble, but, you know, it's, it, it's a huge rail just against treason. I mean, yeah. treachery, not treason, treachery against um, the United States of the tyrant, King George. Ultimately, it started the American experiment that we are still living in today. Can yeah. we live out this vision of we the people, you know, in pursuit of a more perfect union, all these things. So for life, what, liberty, and the pursuit of yeah, happiness. Life, liberty. Right. So Thomas, what would you have to say about the impact of the American experiment on the church? Gosh, that's a huge question. And so we're going to try to unpack this here, but let me just start off by saying it like this. I, th I think that we, especially as people that declared ourselves to be in line with Baptist mm -hmm. theology, right? Yes. That we think the Baptists are people of the book. I mean, that's why we love people it, People right? of the Bible. We love the, the Bible, scriptures. That's right. what the book is. So, so if we say we're a people of the book, but sadly, I believe the church is shaped just as much by the American experiment mm. as it is by the Bible. Come on. So the problem is, is that we don't recognize the lenses through which we look at Scripture. Mm -hmm. And so it colors what we see. Um, and we actually have shaped the church and shaped our lives just as much around the culture of the American experiment as we have the Bible itself. We've even shaped God. Yes. In that regard. Yes. You know, and we try to put God inside this American box. That God would not interfere with my freedom to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Mm -hmm. Okay, because the truth is he wants to give you the best life, eternal life. He wants to give you uh, true liberty, freedom from death, from sin, from the enslavement of those things. He wants to give you true happiness, joy, deep abiding joy. Mm -hmm. But we often think that God would interfere with our pursuit of those things because in our minds, though, those things don't line up with what God says that they are. Yeah. But we don't even know that because we don't know the word as much as we think we do. Mm -hmm. When I, I was telling Thomas before this podcast, when I was in college, there was a... Catholic professor who was super impactful in my life. I love, um, I love Dr. Prudlow, and Dr. Prudlow was talking about how excited he was in our history of Christianity class to come to the South when he first moved from Wisconsin to Jacksonville, Alabama. He's like, yeah. "I'm coming to the Bible Belt for crying out loud," and he said, "What I realized is, is that." Well, why was he excited? Well, well, because he was excited because he thought that he was coming to people who could actually argue the Bible. People actually knew the Bible, right? You know, and and when he got here, he realized, and this is what he said. None of you really know the Bible. You know what your preacher and what your granddaddy told you. Mm, yes. Yeah. You know what, and he said, he said, your arguments are actually not good Protestant arguments. Actually, we aren't good Protestants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We aren't good Protestants. I mean, I mean, that, that's ultimately what he said. We aren't good Protestants. And, and so whenever he said that, I remember sitting there like as like a 21-year-old college student going, man, that's really true. Like, like when you look at how shaped we are by this American experiment that yeah. – um, you know, 
leaks into our churches yeah. very much so. Ultimately, this is the this is the biggest thing I heard. I heard a pastor say this once. He said that so many times we picture the American church and America as like the new Israel. Yes. But like yeah. it's like this new Israel of like religious freedom and you know God bless this nation. And in a lot of ways, God that, has blessed this that nation. Our country is the new Israel. Yeah. Our, that, um, yeah the United yeah. States of America is the new Israel. Wow. Brothers and sisters, let me tell y'all something. It's not. Welcome to Babylon. Yes. Welcome to exile. This is not the new Israel. The, the, the spiritual blessings of the Old Testament are not raining down on America. Yep. Welcome to exile. And that's the problem. We've lived for far too long. And the problem is, is what you thought was Israel and what so many people of the church in America had thought was Israel have been adopting the, the, the worship of Babylon, the idol worship of wow. Babylon. You better, you better watch out, brother. You're stepping on some toes. I'm sorry, brother. I love y'all. It's all I love. But it's true. I mean, it's true. You know, and here's the thing. We say this because we struggle with these things as well. Yeah. You know, and we've struggled with it theologically. Here's the thing. What I find is that when I will talk about something in Scripture with somebody, or I'll preach about it, or I'll talk about it in person, if it if it goes against the American idea of freedom, or if it goes against the American idea of democratic governance, mm-hmm. if it goes against any of these things for the individual and for the church, people bristle at that, and they think it has to be wrong because God would not infringe on those things. But the truth of the matter is... God is the authority and sovereign one over all, and the scripture is his word. It is our defining truth. Mm -hmm. So let the Bible speak the truth. We don't fit the Bible into our matrix. We let the Bible shape our vision and understanding of what the world should be. Yes. And I mean, and you got to think about just going back to when the Bible was, you know, compiled. It was underneath the Roman Empire, which was the longest lasting empire on on the face of the in the face of the earth in history. Mm United States is not even close to that. Yep. But we are so centric to think that we are the center of the story. Yeah. And that's just not the case, no. right? And so let's talk about just a few cases of what we see, you know, the this impact. So the first one that we want to put out is Christian liberty versus American liberty. So that's a really big one, really big yeah, topic. There's a so. good book we've suggested before called On Christian Liberty by Martin Luther. Martin Luther. And that's a really good short little treatise. You can get it for free if you Google it, mm-hmm. um, and a good way to read it. What does it mean for liberty? So tell us, Tyler, what, what's your understanding of the difference between Christian liberty and American liberty? So Christian liberty in and of itself is freedom from sin, freedom from bondage, freedom from death. And ultimately, freedom of conscience in Christ, a, 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 a marred by Christ's conscience. You know, if Scripture does not forbid it, if Scripture does not, you know, we have liberty on these issues. Am I right? Yeah. Yep. So whenever we go into American liberty, though, okay, now this is my favorite thing, especially around this time period, around this, around this time that we live in, July 4th, we see this verse, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. freedom. Yeah. All right, Second Corinthians five or First Corinthians five. It's one of the second Second Corinthians five. Yeah, y'all, that's not the freedom. That's not the liberty that Paul is writing about. All right, that that doesn't mean that the spirit. I mean, yes, America is a free nation. We have liberty, but that liberty is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, that is that is what that liberty is free for us to pursue, and a non-believer can experience that kind of liberty. Yes. And that's that's how the American experiment works. When you look at the people who signed this document, a lot of them were not believers; they were deists. You know, like I mean, like marked by this idea that God was this removed being, this removed like you know deity. Christian liberty is completely different. Yeah, Christian yeah. liberty is true freedom. 
And another avenue on this is that what you see in the Bible, though, is that your Christian liberty is never, ever intended to be or encouraged to be used uh, in a way that would be would make it at odds with the agenda and mission of God Himself to seek uh, and save the lost. For, for Paul says that he gives up all those things and all of his freedom, all of his statuses, all those things that he might reach more people with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so that is the difference, right? The American dream is that all of us would pursue our freedoms to the nth degree, uh, at whatever cost it takes, yes. as long as we don't kill somebody or hurt somebody in a bad way. Yeah, as long way. as it doesn't infringe upon the freedom of other people. Right. right. Yeah. But, but, but the opposite is the Bible is that our freedoms, we've been bought with the blood of Christ. We've been freed from sin, but we are owned by God himself. He purchased us in the blood of his son Jesus on the cross. So our freedom is freedom from sin and death, freedom from condemnation, not freedom to pursue whatever we want to pursue. And so we've got these things out of whack, and that's infiltrated the church. You can't tell me what to do. Uh, You can't tell me I can't do these things. God wouldn't do that. Yes, he would. He tells us, don't do this. Do these things. Be obedient. Walk in this way. Die to self, Jesus says. Pick up your cross. Follow me daily. These are things that are infringing upon the pursuit of happiness in the American dream, yes. but it's the exact truth of Scripture for Christian liberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, yep. that I might win more of them. The yep. American liberty is like, hey, you're, you're infringing on my rights. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The Christian liberty is, hey, I submit my rights yep. so that I can reach, so I can over, so I can reach people with the gospel. Well, let's right. let's talk about the next thing, I, yeah. I, and this is a big one: for, uh, democracy versus monarchy. But hold up, Thomas, hold up. Let's do a little bit of history lesson. Is the United <laughs> States really a democracy? No. <laughs> But, no, but people think it is. They act yeah. like it is. They talk like it is. It's not a true democracy. No. True democracy is messy. Super messy. Like messy. Sure. Like very messy because there's so many people involved yes. in this. And basically mob rules. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, true yeah. democracy. And, and that's horrifying. Yes. Like that, that is absolutely horrifying. So we adopted a system as the United States of America that is a the best system yep. on this side of the fall of this side of heaven. Yeah. On a fallen earth. <laughs> Democratic Republic. Yes. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's the best system, best but, government system. Yeah. Even then, we see that Democratic Republics can go wrong because George yes. Lucas taught us that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is how the Republic dies with thunderous applause. Yes. Revenge of the Sith. Padme. But it's true. Right. I mean, yeah. this, it, Democratic Republics are not necessarily There's no such thing as a perfect government, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it's better than communism. The big difference, though, is this. <laughs> The church is not under the Democratic Republic of the United States of America. Yes. We are not under that system. Okay, we, we are not that. We are a nation within a nation, right? And we are a nation that is governed by a monarchy. And the pastor is not the king. The leaders are not the kings. Jesus Christ is the king on the throne. Amen to that. Okay, and that is it. So he tells us what to do. We say, yes, sir, and we serve. Yes. That's how it works. And the, and, and the problem is, is like it's leaked into the way that we do church, right? Yeah, the church yeah. has turned into a democratic republic or even a true democracy. I mean, in a lot of ways. More like, so. Like, Most, like, like, more so like into a true democracy. Yeah. And that's just messy. Well, people have equated the word congregationalism with democracy. And that's and, and congregationalism essentially means this. And this is one of the things I love about being a Southern Baptist. The local autonomy of the local church. The yes. autonomy of the local church. That whatever that is said in Nashville... Uh, great, that's fine. It doesn't pertain to me necessarily. Yeah. Like I, you can either be as involved in the convention that you want to. Like I'm very involved. Like I'm always talking to Thomas. 
I'm not very involved. Not very involved. Like I'm, I'm updating Thomas about what's going on because I'm, I'm in the thick of it. I love it. I just decided a long time ago it really made my heart boil a lot of the time, <laughs> yeah. and so it wasn't healthy for me. And that's great. And so I, I'm not as involved in that as far as the the ongoing regular things happening within the politics at that level. Yeah. Right. And so, and so ultimately, yeah. what we're getting at is this: the church is a monarchy that is under the King of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world." You know, whenever we look at the scriptures and see this kingdom that is at hand, that he is advancing, we're a part of that kingdom. The church is outpost of that kingdom. As we represent that, we are subjects to the king. Yeah, the best way to think about it is the church is an embassy mm-hmm. within a foreign nation. Yes. Okay, now we are to better this nation as best we can, to serve it, to love it. I would die for my country, mm-hmm. but I will not supersede the nation for which we serve, which is the church, God's one nation or God, mm-hmm. true nation or one God. One holy nation. Yes, and his people, his chosen people. That has to be the top-level concern for our hearts and our wills. And here's what here's an example where it's fallen into. Our church structure, mm-hmm. specifically. Our, church polity, our which polity, which is, which is the, the theological word for that, the polity of our church. Go ahead. Yeah, the way in which it works, the way in which it, it runs, is set up to look more like Congress than it does to look like the Bible. Oh, okay. And that, what do you that's mean by just, that? Like, flesh that out for me. A okay, bit. so so think about what most churches in the Southern Baptist world or in the South in general for congregational churches they are run by committee, mm-hmm. and those committees are established by who? Generally, a nominating committee. Mm-hmm. Even then, though, those committees are not necessarily filled with the people that are the most spiritually mature. Those are filled with the people that might fit the bill the most. So the you, most, the most qualified. So like, yeah, so like, quotes you, qualified, so yeah. so you put the when, like for example, like you, the finance or stewardship committee, as I've yeah. seen a lot of churches. You put people who know money, yeah, who run a business in town, yes. that are who work at a bank. You yeah. know that those are great people to put on there. Sure, know? you want those. people Yeah, you on want those people on there, but ultimately. Those decisions need to be bathed in prayer. They need yes. to be, you know, you need to pray and make sure that that is who God wants to be leading those teams. Yeah, those here's things. the difference, right? Here's yeah. the major difference. The major difference is, is that what happens is a nominating committee will put together a list of people to add to standing committees. Those particular standing committees will eventually lead up to being subservient to a deacon body for most Southern Baptist churches. Um, then those names that have gone from that committee are then taken to the church. The church votes democratically on those people. Those people then serve. That's what people think is congregationalism. That is not congregationalism in the Bible. What happens in the Bible is you have God telling people by the Holy Spirit over and over again to appoint elders in this town, appoint elders in that town, Mm -hmm. appoint elders here. These are the spiritual leaders of the church who are in charge of shepherding the church, leading the church, teaching the church. It's a plurality of elders. And then those men then appoint other leaders in charge of service. Now, Mm -hmm. you do see in Acts 6, in one place in the Bible, where the elders at that time, the apostles of the church in Jerusalem, okay, are are basically seeing a problem within the church where some people are not being Mm -hmm. cared for. A racial problem. Yeah, racial Mm -hmm. problem. And and they're not being cared for. So they say, hey, select from among yourselves some people to take care of those widows because Mm -hmm. we need to maintain the most important things, which is prayer and preaching of the word. What what are those people called? They appointed the deacons. Mm -hmm. Okay, so deacons are meant to be servants in that way. Yeah. So our deacons, like at our church here, are actually functioning as elders. 
Okay, but we don't go through a process of, of, of doing it the way the Bible says. The Bible says you pray over it, God brings to mind the attention of the leaders who those elders should be. We place them into service. Well, I mean, even in we Acts 20, yes. I mean, just to interject right here. Yeah. The Acts 20, it actually says the Spirit appoints these elders. Yes. You know, the Spirit is the one who appoints them. And then God reveals to us. Yes. Who these men are. Yes. And so, yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. So that, that's, that. that's the way that it should go. But what do we do? We have a Democratic election once a year of a list of all those who are able to be qualified or who are old enough and who have been members long enough to serve as deacons. Uh, no, no, not even according to qualifications necessarily at that point. Yeah. Um, and then people just select up to 10 names to select those deacons. That's a great democratic process. Uh, it's not what we see in Scripture for those who are acting as the elders. So these are things that have been being done for years and decades, even even maybe even 50, 60, 80 years, but it not, not necessarily the, the way that the Bible lays forth to do yeah. it. So if we are going to be the most obedient, you just preached on obedience two weeks ago, mm-hmm. obedience in the midst of chaos. And if we are going to be obedient, it means we have to do what the Bible says no matter what. Now, we say we're a people of the book, but if we are not doing everything, everything we do according to the Scriptures, primarily, utmost, obeying the Bible in every way, doing whatever the Bible says, then we are not really being a people of the book. And that's just the way it is. I mean, if we aren't going by what Scripture dictates, we are being disobedient. And this is what happens when the American experiment leaks in, because we think that that's the right way, because that's the way it's always been done. Yeah, and here's the here, and the reason that is is not because people are doing something wrong on purpose. No, that's not what no, happens. and it's not malicious. It's not like it's not like you're sitting there like going out like, oh, we're deliberately disobeying the scriptures. Yeah, it's not no, that at, not all. at all. It's simply that the American dream has infiltrated our mind and heart so much so, in, in so many good ways, that it has impacted our understanding of the Bible by doing what we call eisegesis. It's letting us read these things into the text that are not there in the Bible, mm-hmm. and so we need to be careful to get rid of those presuppositions and allow the Bible to speak to us everything we do and how we do it and let that be alone the thing that determines how we do what we do and, and the example would be um, this house of prayer is not a house of prayer for the United States this is a house of prayer for all nations hey Jesus says in mark 11:17 and he was teaching them and saying to them is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations because mm-hmm. the Israelites were saying it was just for Israel Okay, the temple was just for Israel. And Jesus said, no, this is for all nations. This house is not a house of prayer just for the United States of America. It's a house of prayer for all nations. Mm-hmm. When's the last time we spent significant time in prayer for other nations when we gathered together? Yeah. Okay, so we're not even doing it there. And this is something I'm having to repent of personally. Uh, we need to always be looking for how we need to realign ourselves and our faith family and our denomination with the Scripture and jettison the things that are not from Scripture that are from outside influence, such as these things we've been talking about today. I was um, listening to Trevin Wax. Um, a lot of people don't know this about Trevin. Trevin, the guy that did the podcast earlier, Word Matters, Worse Than Life Boy, he was actually a missionary in Romania. His wife is a Romanian. Yeah. And on Romanian Independence Day, he walked in and nothing was mentioned about Romanian Independence Day. Yeah. Like he was like, he was like, why is there nothing mentioned about Romanian Independence Day? I like went to the pastor and he said, like, do you not have like a Romanian flag? Like all these things. And the pastor said, when we're inside this building, we are representatives of God's people. Yeah. And God's people, while there are Romanians in God's people, yeah. God's people aren't Romanian. Yeah. And, 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 and you I mean you look at the churches like i mean I, there was one church in particular that this past last weekend i watched their service 
brother, it looked more like a campaign rally. I mean, it genuinely looked more like a campaign rally. It looked more like they were worshiping the United States of America than it did God. Yeah, and that's really hard because there's so many people that have given their lives mm-hmm. to serve our country, who have given so much of their life, their heart, their emotions, their mind, um, their years of service, and we appreciate that and we laud that. I mean, I spent the night before this Sunday, uh, July 4th, with my family watching fireworks, telling our kids there while we were there on the way home all about what the 4th of July is for us, Independence Day, and how important it is. And I'm tearing up, crying, telling my kids about this. And on the whole way home, they can't get enough. They want us to play over and over again the Star uh, Spangled Banner. Yes. And we're just singing it in the car over and over and over again because we love our country. Yes. But, but again... We, while we are citizens of this nation, our true ultimate allegiance is to the nation of people who are God's people. Yes. I tell our citizens all the of the time, kingdom. I tell our sins all the time. You are closer to the Chinese Christian than you are mm. the atheist American. Yeah, like like that. It's you so are, hard you, to hear, but it's yeah, so true. It, it is, and, on, and 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 when you look at the way the church is shifting now, the American church is not the is not the center of, of global Christianity no. anymore. No, it's China. It's Iran, Africa, Africa. It's yeah. India, even it's, down it's, in uh, it's the South America. Yeah, South America. I mean, we are literally watching a culture shift happening. We are becoming what people have seen when they go to Europe. We're becoming the desolate church. They're sending missionaries here now. Yes, like, like those areas are yes. sending missionaries to, and and and, and that's the thing. Like that, we're like, well, don't we send missionaries out? Yes, we send missionaries out like crazy. We have the largest missionary organization. Southern Baptists do. Yep. But these organizations are sending missionaries back to us now because we need it that much. Yep. It's still cloaked inside this like idea of, of, of America, like all these things, but and this American centrality. But ultimately, brothers and sisters, we are a house of prayer for all nations. We are one holy nation underneath the king. Yeah, this is the impact, right? The, the idea is this: the impact of the American experiment on the church is great and vast, and all we need to do as the church is this: seek the Lord, say, God, where am I infusing my American ideals into the church where they do not apply or belong? Let me, Father, see what I need to see and change what needs to be changed in order to line up more with Your Scripture, because that's the end of the day. That's our determination, right? If we want to look more and more like Jesus, the goal is to be sanctified into the ultimate image of Christ. Then every day as the church as individuals we need to say how am I not looking like I need to look how's the church not looking like it needs to look and let us seek that out in the scripture make adjustments and be more like the church God intended yes and and here's the thing you can be patriotic yes. I am very patriotic same here brother I love this country I think like I said earlier democratic like as a democratic republic best government on this side of on yep. this side of heaven yep. capitalism incredible all right like I will like I, I think it's <laughs> yeah. I think it's a great economic system yeah Ultimately, though, I will not die for those things, right? Like, I mean, if it came down to it, I would die for this country if yes. it came down to it. I'm not going to stake my foot, though, on, on on dying for some kind of American ideal that combats the scriptural ideal yes. that God speaks about. Yep. And so, y'all, thank you so much for listening to this episode of uh, the ReChurch Podcast. We are, we did do it. Thomas has one more thing. Obviously, if you have questions yeah. about that, if you're confused about what we think about this, I know this is a big statement yeah. today. I know it's a lot of things that are going to impact people positively, maybe negatively. Reach out to us and let's have a conversation. Yeah. I want to have coffee with you. I want to have lunch with you, breakfast with you. Let's talk about it. Uh, let's make sure we do what we should do as, as biblical brothers and sisters. Just go to one another if we have issues or concerns so yes. let's talk about yeah, it let's let's have good, good conversations and i've had great conversations with people at this church about these things yeah um let's go really quick though we did we put an all call for a rechurch q a 
episode, we are working through that. Every one of every one of the questions we got were so big that some of them are going to be episodes in and of themselves, which is awesome. Yeah. And so uh, be stay in tune about that episode that's going to be coming in the near future. Uh, but we just want to update you on that. There will be a Q&A episode. We will be posting that later on in the coming date. But thank you so much for listening to this episode of ReChurch Podcast. Reach out to us if you have any questions, concerns, and we will clarify and we will have a great biblical conversations as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm. See you next week.